all you spooky listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Morbid Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. I'll be taking you through some of the most heinous, shocking, and morbid crimes, including, of course, the paranormal. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to check me out on Instagram at morbid, period, curiosity, period, TC podcast where you can find photos related to our cases, including crime scene photos on occasion, of course, with the exception of postmortem photos. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. I am so sorry that this episode was late. Um, I had to help my fiance out at his work yesterday. So I wasn't able to hop on and make the episode and post it on Sunday like I normally do. Or excuse me, Monday. Either one. Um, But yes, today's episode is about Elizabeth Bathory. Now, I know a lot of podcasts have covered Elizabeth Bathory. She's so controversial. Um, But I have tried to um, get the real side of the story because Miss Elizabeth Bathory, um, the biggest thing that you'll find whenever you research her is People claimed that she bathed in the blood of her victims to stay young. Um, Some historical researchers have said that that's not true. Um, People said it's true. Like, it's just a back and forth kind of controversial topic. Um, So, we're going to kind of cover what I could find today that was, you know, at least not all focused on her being the blood countess. So let's get into it. Also, our sources for this episode will be sci-fi.com, wikipedia.com, of course, ranker.com, serialkillerhistory.com. I pulled some photos and info also from cnn.com slash travel and vice.com. So thank you guys for having such great information because other than you, it's the same old, same old bathtub blood thing. So you're great. So Elizabeth Bathory was born August the 7th, 1560 in Nirbator, Hungary. Now I must say I have looked up pronunciations for most of every single word that I found in some of these reports. So if I mispronounce something, please just look over me. I tried my hardest to remember how to pronounce these words. So um, her father was Baron George the Sixth Bathory, um, same city. So he said um, he was like a branch of the family. Uh, brother of Andrew Bonaventure Bathory, who had been a Bavoid of Transylvania. Um, her mother was Baroness Anna Bathory. She was alive from 1539 to 1570. Um, daughter of Stephen Bathory of Shomiegi, um, also Bavoid um, of Transylvania who was of the Shomiohegi branch, uh, like family, I guess, bloodline. Um, through her mother, Elizabeth was the niece of a Hungarian noble, um, Stephen Bathory, which was like her um, dad. So he lived from 1533 to 1586. Uh, the King of Poland, the Grand Duke of Lithuania, of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, and Prince of Transylvania. Now, her older brother, Stephen Bathory, from 1555 to 1605 of his death, served as a judge of Royal of Hungary. As a child, Elizabeth had multiple seizures. Um, They think it may have been caused by epilepsy. Uh, So, at the time, symptoms related to epilepsy were diagnosed as falling sick, and treatments included rubbing blood of a non-sufferer on the lips of an epileptic or giving the epileptic a mix of non-sufferer's blood and a piece of skull as their episode ended. How in the world they came up with some of these medical, um, like, treatments back in the day blows my mind because like if you actually go into the rabbit hole of like doctors and like the treatments back then like they had some crazy treatments for stuff 
of course, you know, it didn't work. I mean, if it worked, I feel like we'd still do it today. But anyway, so that's crazy. So, but as a little girl, though, she was completely spoiled. Um, she was never in trouble for any of her bad behavior. So they just kind of let it slip. You know, she would do something. They'd be like, oh, that's just Elizabeth kind of thing. So she was never reprimanded for anything that she had done. Um, even though she was prone to fits of rage and violence, still didn't do anything to her. So from the time she was a young girl, she experienced seizures, wild mood swings, and terrible migraines. She also observed scenes of horrific torture. Um, you know, <sighs> trigger warning, this is animals. Um, so, including one episode where she watched some local authorities slit open the belly of a living horse, cram a criminal inside it, and stitch it closed, leaving the criminal uh, to pretty much, like, die inside the horse. Um, so, both of them died together, the horse and the criminal. So, that's kind of insane. It's kind of like the, um, what was it, the iron bull kind of back in the day you know they burn the people alive in that thing so that's crazy never heard of have you guys heard of that like you know back in the day they'd be slitting live animals open and stuffing people inside and be like okay bye that's yeah okay that's not the worst that we have today though so you know hang in there it's it's gonna get worse <laughs> so a proposal was made by some sources in order to explain um, Elizabeth's cruelty later in her life. Um, pretty much, they want to say that she was trained by her family to be cruel. Um, you know, I've when, when I was researching this, I saw a lot of things about like royal families, and I don't know if you guys ever looked into any of that, but some of that, some of them are like super freaking crazy, and they have like crazy like family rules and everything, and. It, you know, it can really traumatize a child, that's for sure. Um, so they wanted to sit there and say that it was her family that was like, you know, made her into the cruel person that she was. Uh, stories include a young Elizabeth witnessing brutal, brutal punishments um, executed by her like family's officers and being taught by family members involved with Satanism and witchcraft. Again, there's, like, no hard evidence for the claims, um, so they kind of remain unconfirmed, of course. Um, Elizabeth was raised as a Calvinist Protestant. Um, I kind of forgot what that was. I made a note somewhere, but I forgot. So, um, but as a young woman, she learned Latin, German, Hungarian, and Greek, uh, which is crazy that somebody can learn that many languages. I'm jealous, but she was born into a privileged family, of course, and she had wealth, education, prominent social rank. Like, she was, you know, on up there. And I'm going to take back what I said, because just now I looked up the Calvinist protestant thing, because I wanted to know what it was. Uh, I know you guys probably will, too. So, um, it was actually named after John Calvin. He was, like, a 16th century, century protestant reformer. Um he had like a whole thing of his beliefs. So let's get into it real quick. So number one, total depravity. Um, so pretty much Calvinism holds to the literal interpretation of the book of Genesis. It believes that because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, all of their descendants are married by sin. People not only have a propensity. Ooh. Okay, for acts of sin, um, they are by nature unable to choose to follow God because of their total depravity. All human beings would be eternally damned uh, were not for divine intervention. Number two, unconditional election. Um, trying to shorten some of these. Uh, la, 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 la. So let's see. Calvinism teaches that from the ranks of depraved humanity, God has chosen some human beings for internal salvation in heaven. These chosen few are called the elect. I can't even speak today. Sorry. The elect are not chosen because of any merit on their part, but because want, because God wanted to choose them. This choice is called predestination because the choice is made before an elect person is born, before Adam and Eve sinned, and even were even before the earth was. I take it back. We're gonna look up the Calvinist Protestant 
or Calvinism. Um, it was named after John Calvin. He was like in the 16th century. Um, he had like his own little faith and everything. So number one, uh, which would be total depravity. And this is all the stuff that they kind of believe in. This is a breakdown. So he believes that um, people not only have a propensity for acts of sin, they are by nature unable to choose to follow God because of their total depravity. All human beings would be eternally damned were it not for divine intervention. Uh, number two, unconditional election. This is pretty much just saying that nobody goes to heaven unless God chose them. So it's just a very select few called the elite, or I always want to say the elite, Lord have mercy, the elect. Um, that's pretty much what that is. Limited atonement. Um, so it teaches that the atonement for sins is provided by death and the resurrection of Jesus. So in other words, deprived humans, excuse me, depraved human beings deserve to die and to be damned. Jesus died instead of, um, of course, instead of us. So some people could be saved and go to heaven. Uh, limited atonement means that Jesus died only for the elect, not for the damned. So that goes back to number one. So just that, you know, select few that are going to heaven, supposedly. Uh, number four, irresistible grace. Um, it believes that God calls individuals to salvation when he calls them to be a part of the elect. Uh, they cannot refuse, even if they want to, the grace that is necessary to believe that Christian message is, according to the Calvinist tradition, a gift from God. Uh, though it may not look as though an individual is choosing to be Christian, the ability to make that choice comes from God. Uh, I think the last one is number five, perseverance of saints. Uh, Calvinism, I'm now I'm getting tongue tied. Calvinism believes that once people have been saved by God, these people cannot lose their salvation through any act of their own. This belief is based on a belief in the com uh, complete sovereignty of God. If God has chosen something for or someone, no mere mortal has the power to overturn that choice. Um, someone who is elect cannot overturn the election. If a person sins and is damned, it is not because he chose to sin, but because he was never elect to begin with. So that that's pretty much what that religion is. Um, it was bothering me, so I had to go look it back up. But yeah, so that's it on that. Moving on with Elizabeth. Um, she had a secret love child at the age of 13, uh, right before she was engaged off to a um, guy. We'll get into him in a minute. But at the age of 13, before her marriage, Elizabeth allegedly gave birth to a child. The child, said to have been fathered by a peasant boy, was supposedly given away to a local woman who was trusted by the Bathory family. The woman was paid for her actions, so they pretty much just like, here, have this kid and we're going to pay you off. Um, and the kid was taken to Wachala. Um, evidence of this pregnancy came up long after her death. Um, through rumors sped, spread by like the peasants and servants and everything. Therefore, the validity of the rumor is often disputed. So that's another one that's kind of controversial. Um, a lot of people argue, but yeah. So let's get on into her married life. So in 1573, at the age of just 10 people, 10, she was engaged to Count Fernand's Nidoshif. I tried to say that as best as I can. Like I said, don't judge me. I tried. I even put the pronunciation in the notes. Okay, so I'm trying my best here. Um, a member of Nidoshif's family, a nobleman and an heir to one of the wealthiest dynasties in the entire region. Um, although he was technically of lower social standing than Elizabeth, which is kind of crazy, um, they married when she was 15 and he was 19 and he actually took her last name. Um, so for the veracity in battle against Ottoman Turks, you can look it up if you want the history. I try not to be a history major on this episode. Um, he earned the nickname the Black Knight. So in what was probably a political arrangement within the circles of the upper class, of course, um, he was the son of Baron, um, Tamesh. Nadoshif. Uh, 
His, he has a very long name, guys. I'm not even kidding. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. His, his, his name is seven syllables. I'm going to try here. Uh, Baron Tomesh Nadoshiv D. Nodashdia et Fogarasful. <clears throat> I know I pronounced something wrong, but forgive me. Um, so anyway, he was called the Great Palantine as well. So <laughs> that's easier, right? Um, and also, um, Ursula Kanisai, Con- always get tongue-tied. That's another problem. Uh, so anyway, Elizabeth and him were married at the palace um, on May 8th, 1575. So his wedding gift to Elizabeth was the entire castle. <laughs> um, so that is the Chakaton uh, located on the lower end of the Carpathian Mountains. So, the castle had been bought by his mother in, like, 1569. It was, like, gifted to him. And then it was transferred to Elizabeth during their wedding. So, it's kind of been around a little bit. And, actually, that castle is still standing today. And I'm going to tell you how you can visit it at the end of the episode. That's pretty cool. So, together with a house and 17 adjacent villages. So, they had a pretty good plot of land. Um between the two, right? So, in 1578, he became the chief commander of the Hungarian troops, um, leading them to war against the Ottomans, which we were saying earlier, he gained that nickname there. Um, With her husband away at war, Elizabeth managed, like, all the business affairs, the estates, servants, all that kind of stuff. Um, Now, this role usually included responsibility for the Hungarian and Slavic people, Um, providing medical care during the long war from 1593 to 1606. And Elizabeth was charged with the defense of her husband's estates, which lay on the route to Vinya. Now, the threat of attack was significant for the village of Chakotin, had previously been plundered by the Ottomans, right? So there was also um, Sarvar, which was located near the border that divided Royal Hungary and Ottoman occupied Hungary. So it was like on the line, excuse me, it was on the line, um, but that was in greater danger um, per them. So there were several incidences where Elizabeth intervened on behalf of destitute women, including a woman whose husband was captured by the Ottomans, Um, And a woman whose daughter was raped and became pregnant from that as well. Now, the Lord's about to test me on this one because there's a lot of freaking pronunciations I'm about to have to to try. So, I'm sorry if it is cringy and hurts your ears. But Elizabeth's daughter, Anna Nadashiv, was born in 1585 and was later the wife of Nikola VI um, Zinsky. I think that's how you say it. Elizabeth's other known children include or um, Orskia Noroshiv. Um, she was born 1590, not sure when they passed. Um, who would later become the wife of another guy, um, Istav II Benyol. Um, Caitlin or Kata or Katrina, she went by multiple things. Noroshiv, born in 1594, death unknown. Um, Adrius Nadoshiv, 1596-1603, and Paul Nadoshiv, 1598-1650. Um, now, this, this woman had a lot of kids, um, so yeah, so, anyway. So yeah, so the father of Franz III, Nadoshiv, who was one of the leaders of the magistrate conspiracy um, against Holy Roman Emperor Leopold I. So some chronicles also indicate that the couple had another son, um, although this cannot be confirmed. Um, you know, it could be that he was simply a cousin or like died young or whatever. Um, he's not named in Elizabeth's will from 1610, so no, you know, no confirmation on that. Um, from what I understand, she had like five kids up, so it could be possible. Um, so, uh, Georgi 
Uh, Nadoshiv is supposedly the name of one of the deceased Nadoshiv infants, excuse me, but this also cannot be confirmed. Um, all of her children were cared by the governesses, um, as Elizabeth had been herself. So she had help raising her kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. Privileged life, I guess. Um, Fernandez Nadoshiv died on January 4th, 1604 at 48. So her husband died. Although the exact nature of the illness which led to his death is still unknown, it seems to have started in 1601 and initially caused debilitating pain in his legs. Um, from the time, he never fully recovered, never got better, and in 1603, he became permanently disabled. Um, he had been married to Elizabeth for about 29 years before dying. Uh, Nadashiv entrusted his heirs and widow to Gyorki, um, to his Teresa, who eventually led the investigation to capture her for her crimes. So that's fun. So some random family facts. Her aunt was a murderous bisexual witch, <laughs> uh, from what rumors say anyway. So supposedly Clara Bathory, um, like some people stated that Clara took a lover who killed her husband. But rumor has it she actually smothered her second husband herself. Now, other accounts have Clara as a bisexual murderous person, um, or vixen is what they said here, uh, who practiced sorcery in her spare time and also taught Elizabeth dark arts. Um, eventually, Clara was imprisoned, but the legend grew that she became known as a sexually greedy vixen who seduced her prison guards. Other stories claim Clara and one of her male lovers were captured by the Ottoman um, soldiers who skewered the young man on a spit, and the Ottoman garrison repeatedly raped Clara. You know, accounts unconfirmed as well. Not really sure. It happened a very long time ago. Um, now, also, what I said earlier, the Blood Countess... Um, so, she supposedly was also very promiscuous with people. Um, in addition to that teenage love affair that I, you know, told you about earlier with her first kid before her husband, um, Elizabeth seduced a local guy named Ironhead, or nicknamed Ironhead, later in life, and rumors of bisexuality, uh, you know, came across um, centuries after her life, so... Also not really confirmed, but you never know. So so let's get into the crimes of Elizabeth. So between 1602 and 1604, after rumors of her horrific crimes had spread all across the kingdom, um, Lutheran minister Estafan um, Marguerite made complaints against her both publicly and at the court. Uh, so, in 1610, King Mathis II assigned, guess who, um, Guriki Teruso, the guy earlier that the husband left him in charge of, the family, right, um, the Palatine of Hungary, to investigate. So, he ordered two notaries to collect as much evidence as they could in March 10, 16, March, I can't even speak today, in March 1610. So, by October 1610, they had collected 52 witness statements. By 1611, that number became over 300 witness statements. So, everybody knew how horrible she was and was, you know, talking to the police about her or to the notaries. Like, they wanted her done. So, uh, Teresa um, was a friend of the Bathory family. However, he did help Elizabeth escape complete prosecution. So, originally, I think they were going to, like, you know, kill her like they did the other people. But they didn't. Uh, we'll get to it. But as a result, Elizabeth was not put on trial herself. But everyone who helped her or were forced to help her, they were put on trial. So, according to the testimonies, Elizabeth's first victims were girls aged 10 to 14 years old. Now, Elizabeth is said to have killed the daughters of the lesser gentry who were sent to her home by her parents to learn courtly etiquette. 
Um, she often used that as an excuse and had people sent to her house to learn courtly etiquette. And then they would just go missing and parents would never see their kids again. So we'll get to that, I think, a little bit further down. But um, the use of needles was also mentioned by some of the people in court. Um, there were many suspected forms of torture carried out by Elizabeth. And I'm talking a lot. Um, according to the budapest city archives the girls were burned with hot tongs and then placed in a freezing cold water bath um some witnesses named relatives who have died at the house others reported having seen traces of torture on dead bodies some of which were burned or excuse me buried in graveyards and others in unmarked locations um, now, the two court officials claim to have personally witnessed the Countess torture and kill several young servant girls. Now, as I said earlier, she started to become more daring with her acts. So, um, she began fostering in bunny ears. I wish you guys could see me. Uh, young noble women from, like, poor families all across, like, the Transylvania and even Croatia, um, offering to teach them etiquette, right? And she did this out of her castle. But the parents of some of the aristocrat girls could and did make huge political fuss that caught the attention of local authorities. Now, although conflicting reports state that she may have passed local peasant ladies off as noble girls for a number of years, um, Elizabeth was, like, content with just, like, torture. Um, now... Again, this is not confirmed that she did this, but potentially bathed in the blood of young peasant girls who became her servants from the nearby towns. But eventually, the parents of local average Janes caught on to her brutal ways and stopped sending their daughters to the castle for these etiquette lessons. Now, Elizabeth also gave herself away when she murdered a famous choir singer who, like, she was, like, trying to get her to sing for her, from what I found, and she couldn't belt out a tune for her. I guess maybe she was, like, nervous or something, um, and she killed her. So, unlike a poor peasant girl, though, from the country, this was, like, a super well-known singer, and she was immediately missed when she, like, disappeared. So, people actually looked for this one, unlike the other girls who went missing, you know, they didn't really look for it. You had the parents looking for them, but they were, you know, they weren't wealthy or anything, so they didn't really get anywhere. So, a little bit more details of what she done to the girls that she tortured and killed. Um, this is not about specific girls, you know, it's a long time ago, so there's not really a record of what happened to some of the girls, which is very sad, but this is the overall general idea of what she used to do to these people. So, um, she used to burn their genitals with a candle. She would bite them to death. She ripped their mouths open with her own hands. Uh, that, that one made me like, ugh, you know. Uh, burning them with heated metal rods and rivets. Beating them with whips, clubs, or iron bars. Cutting and stabbing. Throwing them in the snow, if there was some pouring freezing water over them while they're in the snow. So pretty much giving them hypothermia. Uh, pouring boiled water on them and ripping their skin off. Hauling them up in suspended barrels, spiked on the inside, you know, swinging them around so they would hit the thing, and then showering in the blood below. Let me just say again, the blood bathing was never an actual confirmed thing from people in court like all this other stuff was, so I don't really know. I think she gets too much credit for being the blood countess, to be honest. Um, anyway, so I'll get to that a little bit later as to why I think that. So um, she would also put them in like Iron Maidens and extract their blood, supposedly. Um, she liked putting red hot coins into the palms of the servant girls. Um, she also thrusted pokers into the fire and used them to burn the, their faces. Um, to top it off, she also tore off their fingers with pin, pincers. Um, this one was kind of crazy to me because 
I don't know, like out of all this, uh, I feel like the bees would be a little bit easier. But um, so she smeared girls in honey and sent them outside to be attacked by bees. Um, now, I didn't really think honeybees actually like done anything from what I know. So I feel like I would rather take the honeybee punishment. I don't really know. I don't know bees. I just that's just what I heard. But so following the suggestion of her husband, he that's why she did this, supposedly. Uh, she smeared them in honey, um, put them outside for an entire day so they would be bitten by bugs and stung by bees. Um, though the two were frequently separated, uh, Nadashiv would send his wife torture advice from the battlefield while he was away. It was like a, a love letter is what they said, which is insane. So he knew about what she was doing, I think. Um, it was never really said in like her story, but. If he's sending her torture advice, you know, he's got to know what she's doing. So, witnesses claim that Elizabeth's favorite method for torture was using scissors to mutilate her victims' bodies and faces. She supposedly used the instrument to cut off their hands, nose, and genitals. She sometimes even used the scissors to slice open the skin between her victims' fingers. Mm -hmm making me cringe. Um, other than that, she possibly was a cannibal. Um, along with the other ways she terrorized the imprisoned girls, Elizabeth supposedly bit off chunks of their flesh. Now, according to some stories, she forced one young woman to cook and eat her own flesh. And she may have partaken um, of her meat herself. Could, could, could you imagine being imprisoned and then they're cutting you up and feeding you to yourself? That is insane. That's insane. That's crazy. This woman should have been locked up in a mental institute. Long time ago. Long, long time ago when they first started seeing all this. They should have locked her up. But, you know. They didn't. They still don't. Some people... You know, people need mental health. People always think it's a joke and people are just like sick and like, oh, these people enjoy it. Well, they enjoy it because they're, you know, messed up in the head. So people need some help, man. All right. So the blood bathing myth. So Michael Wagner in 1796 actually was the first person to widely publicize the story of Elizabeth's alleged bathing in blood. So, he had a book called Anthropological Philosophy. Um, so, the most infamous accusation about Elizabeth Bathory was that she bathed in the young um, blood, young blood from her victims, right? So, they, all were, they were all either virgins, you know, young, whatever. And she did this because she thought that it would keep her youthful and young and, like, she would never age, right? Um, now, although this story is by far the most memorable, if you literally look this woman up, all you see is the blood countess, the blood countess this, and, like, art and, like, her in blood baths and all this other stuff. Um, it's, it's pretty extremely unlikely to have been true, actually. Um, so, from a later account, um, it was, like, mythologized and perhaps exaggerated her cruelty because, you know, we like to exaggerate things as humans. Um, but fun fact, I don't know if you guys know this or not, just like how Vlad the Impaler helped inspire the movie Dracula from Bram Stoker, she also inspired Dracula, so wasn't just Vlad, it was her as well that inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula. So that's pretty cool. So we're going to take a little break right now. So this is your opportunity. Go use the bathroom if you haven't already. Get you a snack or drink and come back and let's finish Elizabeth Bathory.
Now, moving on to when she was arrested, right? So, the year before her arrest, some 25-year-old woman um, from, like, a declining minor noble family were invited to stay at Elizabeth's Castle. So, some of these minor aristocrat families were happy to send their daughters to her, hoping somehow to raise the prestige of their family through an association with the Countess. But... During their stay, several of the girls vanished. Bunny ears, quotes, mm -hmm. vanished. Um, when concerned parents begin to ask about, where's my daughter? You know, what's, what's going on? The Countess reported that one of the girls had been murdered. Um, another girl for jewels and then committed suicide. So she's like, yeah, she killed her for her jewelry and then she killed herself. So... You know, that's the end of that kind of thing. So, when her family demanded the body of the girls be returned, Elizabeth refused um, for obvious reasons, uh, stating a suicide uh, fatality had to be immediately buried unmarked on unconsecrated ground. Um, she claimed other multiple deaths as being caused of outbreaks of disease and citing the fear of epidemic panic as reasons for secretly burying those victims. Um, so she pretty much just, like, you know, killed them and then said, oh, this is why. Okay, bye. You know, like how horrible for those families. So, December the 30th, 1610, Terizzo raided the residence. He found disfigured and dismembered bodies of the young women, Elizabeth was arrested in her home, of course, um, and four of her servants who had helped her do this stuff um, were also arrested. So, three elderly females and one young man servant. Um, the secret trial, of course, it was secret because, you know, Elizabeth is royalty. Um, the secret trial began three days after her arrest. Um and it was at Terizzo's Courts of Justice in Butsia on, I think that's how you say it, on January 2nd, 1611. Now, all the court officials and jury members owed their allegiance to Prince Terizzo. Um, the plan apparently was like trying to be um, secretive about it and like quickly sentence the Countess to life imprisonment. Um, they just wanted it done and over with. They didn't want it to be public or anything like that. So, while the Parliament was on holiday to ensure that her properties are not seized or debt to her canceled, um, you know, they were trying. So, many witnesses could not offer firsthand evidence, but would insist that they had heard from others about her alleged crimes. Many servants confessed to the heinous crimes of their mistress, but only after intense torture sessions. So, how does that make them any better than Elizabeth? I'm just saying. Like, you know, they didn't kill them, but they probably used about the same torture methods as Elizabeth with these women just to get them to confess. And who's to say, and this is just, you know, you know, just a thought, a, a food for thought, right? Who's to say that they didn't, like, um, falsely confess to things and, like, get this lady sentenced, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if four of the servants were tortured and then been like, yeah, 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 yep, she totally did that, totally did that, but a lot of other servants, like, didn't, like, eh. You know, I don't know. Anyway, she was a horrible person. I'm not saying she's not, but you never know. So, it was back in the 16th century. So, Lord knows, you know, what could have happened. So, moving on to the trial testimony that I could find. So, the four servants were the ones that were put on trial, not Elizabeth. Um, so, January 2nd, 1611, their testimony was entered as evidence against Elizabeth. Now, according to them, the Countess tortured her female servants for the slightest mistakes. Um, at one point with her own hands, she tore apart or open the mouth of one servant girl who had made an error while sewing. Every day, the servant girls who had committed some infraction 
would be assembled in the basement of the castle for brutal torture. Elizabeth delighted in the torture of the young women, and she never missed a session. Now, while torturing your servants in the 17th century in Hungary, it was not a crime. Um, it was just considered very impolite. So, when traveling and visiting other aristocrats, Elizabeth would always secure a private room or an extra room where she could torture her servants in privacy without offending her hosts. Now, it was noted that the girls that was, you know, punished, quote, punished, um, they were the girls that normally had the bigger breasts, um, and she would normally strip them naked prior to their torture sessions. So the four accomplices testified the following. So the countess, as they called her, or mistress, um, stuck needles into the girls. She pinched the girl's face um, and like other places, uh, pierced them under the fingernails. Then she dragged the torture girls naked out to the snow, poured cold water over them. She helped them with that until the water froze on the victim, and then they would die. Of, you know, like hypothermia, obviously. Um, now, Elizabeth beat the girls and murdered them in such a way that her clothes were drenched in blood. She often had to change her clothes or her skirt. She also had the bloodied stone pave, uh, excuse me, the bloody stones in the basement washed. Um, she had the girls undress stark naked. So they were always naked during the torture, never, you know, clothed or anything. Um, they were thrown to the ground. She beat them so hard that one could scoop up the blood from their beds by the handfuls. Um, it also happened that she bit out individual pieces of flesh from the girls with her own teeth. She also attacked the girls with knives. She hit and tortured them generally in many ways. Her ladyship, as they called her, um, like singed the private parts of girls with a burning candle. One time her ladyship lay sick and therefore could not beat anyone herself. So a servant was compelled to bring the victims to the countess's bed, whereupon she would rise from her pillow and bite flesh off of the girl's neck, shoulders, and breasts. Some other testimony was the girls would be beaten so long that the soles of their feet and the surfaces of their hand bristled. Um, they were beaten so long that each one, without interruption, suffered over 500 blows from the women accomplices. Um, if the folds of the countess's clothes were not smoothed out, or if the fire had not been brought up, or if the outer garments of the countesses were not pressed, the girls responsible were at once tortured to death. It happened that the noses and the lips of the girls were burned with a flat iron by her ladyship herself or by the older women. Um, the countess also struck her own fingers into the mouth of the girls and ripped their mouths open and tortured them in that way as well. If the girls had not finished their obligatory sewing chores by 10 o'clock at night, they were immediately tortured. Her ladyship with her own hands had keys heated, red hot, and then burned the hands of the girls with them. While at first it was believed that Elizabeth began her killing spree after her husband's deaths, uh, excuse me, her husband's death, deaths, not plural, he's one guy, <laughs> um, witnesses testified that the murders began while her husband was still alive and with his knowledge and participation. So like earlier when he was sending her torture suggestions about the bees and the honey and like that kind of stuff like he was in on it as well he just wasn't physically there um this is typical of sadistic female serial killers today who target their victims for sexual motive um they are almost always accompanied by the male partner usually dominant which the female serial killer partner mimics so, according to the testimony um, at the court during the summer, his lordship, Count um, Nadoshi, 
had a young girl undressed, um, like he got her naked, while his lordship looked on with his own eyes. The girl was then covered over with the honey and made to stand throughout the day and at night. Um, insects would cover her, you know, all that kind of stuff. She would, you know, be found unconscious. His lordship taught the countess that in such a case, one must place pieces of paper dipped in oil between the toes of the girl and set them on fire. Even if she was already half dead, she would jump up. The accused servants who were in the Elizabeth's service for a period ranging from 16 to 5 years testified that they personally witnessed from a total of 36 to as many as 51 perhaps more girls that were killed. All right guys, let's hop on to her punishment here. So, we all know royalty, there's no public trial and there's definitely not an execution because it's too scandalous, right? So, she was just put on house arrest. Um, Elizabeth was eventually convicted though, and they decided to wall her up in her chamber at her family castle in Slovakia. Now, when I say wall her up, I mean, they placed her inside a room and, you know, um, cement and bricks just built a wall. She would never be able to get out of there. Um, which I think is pretty great for, you know, at least she's not roaming the castle, living her best life. So they wall her up in her, in her castle. She only survived for like three years after that. Um, she died August the 21st, 1614 at the age of 54 inside the wall. Um, we actually came very close to never even hearing about Elizabeth um, because her trial was literally in secret and it was in, in a remote Slovakian town in 1611. Um, and plus, her powerful family immediately sealed all of its records. So there was literally no newspapers, pamphlets, broadsides, nothing. There was no coverage, anything. Um, so none of the ruling families wanted the details of the horrendous charges against their relative to be released to the public. They didn't want the scrutiny. They didn't want those, you know, scandalous stories, whatever. Um, and they did not want her estates to be confiscated by the crown or the crown's debts to her family um, or anything like that. So Elizabeth was not even allowed to appear at the trial. And instead of a public execution, like I said a minute ago, they just walled her up alive in a room in one of her remote castles. Um, her servants and accomplices took her place on the executioner's block, so they did get their head chopped, um, or however they done it back then, I don't know. But they did get killed, um, which is sad because, you know, those people were literally just doing, doing what they had to do to survive, but, the, you know, they still did horrible stuff. So, anyway, um, while, the, while Elizabeth herself, you know, she survived and, you know, got bricked in in the wall, whatever, until 1614, and she was, like, discovered dead on the floor. So, I'm assuming they had a way to check on her. Um, I was trying to find a photo of, see if that little room was still existing or not, but the only thing that I could find, you know, the castle's kind of destroyed, but not really. So, I found, I found something, but it wasn't, you know, that great of a photo, so I didn't post it on Instagram. So, while her family did divide up Elizabeth's property amongst themselves after her death, the details of her crimes and trial vanished. Um, so, you know, nobody wanted to talk about it. Um, like the indictments, uh, the trial transcripts, the judges, um, the judgments, everything. They were all closed archives. Um, pretty much everybody just kind of forgot about her for a moment, you know. Only legends and folk tales of a blood-drinking female vampire circulated in the Transylvanian mountains until they were picked up two centuries later by the author, like Bram Stoker, and given a new life in the form of Dracula. Um, so it was inspired by another Transylvanian depot, Vlad the Impaler, um, like I said earlier. Now, to whose ancestors Elizabeth was actually remotely related through marriage? not really sure. There is a ancestry thing posted on Instagram if you guys wanted to look at it. I don't know how true it is. I just found it and thought it was cool, so I posted it. So, um, Now, Elizabeth would have remained merely 
an anonymous monster had it not been for Jasut scholar Father Laszlo Trusty. Um, I'm probably said his last name wrong. Sorry about it. Um, but discovered in 1720, he discovered the trial records about 100 years after her death. Um, he restored the legendary female vampire to human form with a name, identity, a history, and detailed description of her of her crimes. Excuse me. Um, in a book. So it was only published in Latin, though. So I cannot even begin to tell you the name. Um, you can look him up, though, if you want. His name is spelled L-A-S-Z-L-O. And the last name is T-U-R-O-C-Z-Y. The book was in 1729. Um, couldn't even begin to tell you the name because it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Latin words that I do not know. <laughs> so you guys can look it up, though, if you want. Now, between the servant girls and the local noblewomen she recruited to, quote, tutor, Elizabeth slaughtered and tortured many young women. Um, so over 10 years of torture, she reputably brutalized 650 different ladies. Now, that number reported by a peasant girl who was a witness to the crimes. Um, but she was only officially charged with the murder of 80 women. Um, how did she kill so many? We probably will never, never know, unfortunately. And unfortunately, out of the 650 ladies, only the family would know the names of who went missing and never seen again. So that's super sad that we can't even honor the victims. So another thing I found is like um, a report about how like Elizabeth may have been like an inbred psychopath or like a victim of the patriarchy for the time. So in an attempt to understand why Elizabeth was the way she was, scholars have investigated every aspect of her life. Um, she was clinically, excuse me, was she clinically insane due to incest? Question mark. So after all, her parents were distant cousins. Um, they were just from different branches of the Bathory family. But, of course, you know, that's pretty common back in the day in Renaissance Europe. And not everyone from that time period was a serial killer like she was. So, others have argued that various brutalities she witnessed as a kid may have triggered her sadistic ways. Um, you know, we don't know, really. She's from a different century, so. But perhaps her misdeeds were exaggerated because of her explicit sexuality. Now, you know, that could be seen as a threat to the patriarchy. Her pursuit of multiple lovers in and out of the marriage bed could have been seen as threatening to the institutions supported by the male authorities who later condemned her. After all, we only know very few basic facts about her life, and a lot of her negative reputation comes from, like, later accounts. Now, the question is, is her bloodline still alive? Yes. Yes, there are descendants of Elizabeth Bathory that are still living today. So, maybe I'll need to be doing a, what is it, a 23andMe or like a Ancestry.com, you know, DNA test to see. I think those are pretty cool. I did a 23andMe DNA test, so. But it doesn't tell you like your ancestry. So, if you want like Ancestry, I would just do the Ancestry.com thing. But, yeah, there there's still descendants of her bloodline living today. So, about the castle restoration, right? So, um, in Central Europe, um, they have like a wooden statue of Elizabeth Bathory in the main square. I posted it on Instagram. It's kind of creepy. I don't know why they keep that. She was, she was, you know, a supposed horribly person or horrible person. So, I don't really know. Anyway, they keep her statue. It was controversial. I, I guess they kind of got over it. Um, there's a sign that points to the castle, which stands about 2.5 kilometers away in the middle of a thickly forested nature reserve. It is a pleasant 40-minute walk up. Um, it's a narrow stony path under some oak trees, um, beech and chestnut trees, um, and there's mulberry bushes and wild strawberries, so everybody thinks the walk is really pretty. Um, the castle is a ruin. 
Um, but pictured alone against the blue sky, it kind of looks majestic, right? So it's actually really pretty. Um, it's sad that like everything that supposedly happened happened there. Um, anyway, so it reopened in June 2014 after a much-needed two-year restoration. So, one tower collapsed in the 1980s, leaving only two towers standing. Um, an eastern defensive tower with a chapel and a south-facing residential tower where Miss um, Elizabeth Bathory died. Now, amazingly, it is still possible to walk around her living quarters, um, the likely location of her, like, imprisonment and death. Now, the roof has long disappeared, uh, but the walls show the signs of ceilings. Um, it reckoned it's about, like, 13 feet high in a 4 by 5 meter room. Um, so, and there's, like... Um, there was like this one area where they said that she possibly died where you can see like a bricked in door. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. All right. So visiting the castle, you will have to find your own way there. Um, there's not like a, I guess, a direct thing that you can do. Like whether you like, you know, taxi, bus, whatever. Like, there's different ways to get there, but as far as getting up to the castle, you're just going to have to do it yourself because it's a 40-minute walk. Um, so, make sure you wear comfortable shoes and nice athletic wear, uh, what I would wear anyway. So, um, the closest town with decent hotels is Trechen, um, which is like 30 kilometers north of the village of Chacton. Uh, the best way to get there is by train. There are like 10 different direct trains per day. So 60 to 80 minute travel um, from Bratislava. I could never say that. But um, so the tickets are like $8 to $21 USD um, each way. There's like a really slow bus service. So the travel time is like two hours. Tickets are about like eight bucks USD. Um, the best hotel in Trenchin is the four star Hotel Elizabeth. Uh, a double room is like $132 USD. Um, there's no direct connection via public transport from Trenchin to the Checkton Castle, um, but you can also use taxi, which is like $40 USD. Um, there is a um, Trechin tourist office um, or like a reception desk at the Hotel Elizabeth and they can arrange an English speaking guide for you as well, which is pretty cool. Um, the Chacton Castle is open like May to October. So like Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And entrance, um, at least from what I found, it could have changed by now. The entrance was like $3.50, like USD money. Um, another cool thing is, you know, a lot of people are interested in Elizabeth Bathory and they've done paranormal investigations. So you guys can go to YouTube. There's a lot of different paranormal investigators who have used like spirit boxes and, you know, try to contact her. Now, me personally, I've had... Um, paranormal experiences since I was a child. Um, I won't get into too much details unless you guys just want like my paranormal story as a child. But um, anyway, so the people who use spirit boxes from home and that aren't on location, I don't really know how much I believe that. Um, I feel like you have to be there in that energy, in that, you know, gateway to be able to speak with those spirits that died in Transylvania. You can't be sitting in Florida and be like, oh, you know, I don't know. I just don't feel like it really works like that because normally the the spirits or entities are attached to the land or something there. So, yeah. Anyway, enough about my rant. Um, but Ghost Hunters International TV series had a um, episode called Tortured Souls in 2008. Um, you guys should look that up and watch that. That one's about Elizabeth Bathory, so that one's pretty cool. Um, other than that, you can find a bunch of YouTubes, um, you know, spare boxes. People actually go there and, like, do experiments and stuff, so it's pretty cool. So that's all for today's episode, guys. Tune in next week for another riveting case. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out my Instagram at morbid period curiosity period TC podcast for photos related to each case covered. Feel free to email me case suggestions as well at morbid curiosity TC podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I appreciate all you spooky listeners. Stay kind, stay spooky, and don't murder anyone.